All right, shiny boy. Look who's back on the program here, Mr. Mark Graney. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. A little early to be drinking, so I'm going to be drinking. I know, I just have a coffee and water. I know, I know. <laughs> well, you know, we just had you on for Sierra 6, but uh, lo and behold, there was yet another Mark Graney product that came out or is coming out soon. Uh, and this one, kind of gen the genesis of it was a little bit different. So can you um, explain maybe kind of how this was a little bit different of a beast than a standard novel release and, and maybe tell us a little bit more about the storyline here on Armored? Yeah, I, so this book that's finally coming out has been over 10 years in the making in one form or another. I, uh, it, it was 2011 when I first got this idea to write a story about uh, civilian military contractors kind of lost and on the run in uh, the mountains of Mexico. And I started doing some research and started doing some writing. Initially, it was going to be a screenplay. I wanted to write a screenplay. Hmm. And it just was taking me forever. It was basically taking me forever because I didn't have an editor going, you know, I need this by, you know, the end of the week or whatever. Yeah. So I didn't, nobody was lighting a fire under my butt. So I just kind of like picked at it when I could. And then um, Audible came to me after I'd probably already been working on it for four years or something in my, my little downtime. And they asked about doing an audio play, an original audio drama where you have actors and sound effects and music. And, and I just basically dusted off this half of a screenplay that I'd written. And I said, if you like this story, I could whip something up. And I couldn't. I, they said, yes. <laughs> and it turns out you can't whip that up. Um, you know, I, I had to really study the genre and, and figure out how to do everything via sound cues and, and dialogue. And it took a long time, but it, yeah, it came out last December as an audio play right. and Audible did a great job with it and did really well. But uh, when Tom Colgan, my editor, read the audio play well before it came out, he's like, you know, you own the intellectual property on this. We want you to make some books out, <laughs> out of the series. And I, I was excited by that because this was a story that I wanted to flesh out even more. I mean, the audio play is like four and a half hours long for yeah five and a half hours long and uh or six hours long i can't remember now um yeah. it's, it's pretty long book. <laughs> it's pretty long yeah people say it's a short book and i'm like yeah but it's, it's the longest play you've ever seen in your life <laughs> if you went if you sat down on broadway around 4 p.m and got out around 10 p.m you're you're not going to say that was short um because it's a different animal than a book and uh but i i wanted to really expand on this story and go deeper into the characters and actually more detailed and uh, kind of create some action sequences that are a little bit more robust than what you're able to kind of like do through the audio format. You know, it, the audio play opens up a lot of doors for a writer that he doesn't have otherwise, yeah. but it kind of shuts some some windows in the process. Hmm. So I really wanted to, you know, do what I normally do and write a big book. So a 50,000 word audio play became a 150,000 word novel. Right. Yeah. I picked it up and I was like, oh, there's a lot of pages here that probably weren't in the audio version. Um, from, from what I can tell, Armored kind of ushers in this new um, area within the audiobook industry because it, the level of production and the investment that likely went into all this, I really hadn't seen uh, you know, any other place. It might've existed, but I hadn't really seen it and certainly wasn't like a industry's wide standard. You didn't have one right. guy just in a booth reading this thing. So Right. Um, do you think Armored kind of opens up maybe a Pandora's box where uh, 
the industry is going to have to start producing this level of material based on the success that we've seen so far? Well, I hope they do it more. I don't want it to replace anything, but right. um, you know, the, the, when Audible came to me initially, they were kind of like, this is a new format. We're not sure how this is going to be received, but we've done a couple other like this. Um, so I listened to them and then they do exist. If you go on Audible and you okay. look for like sort of original audio drama, there's not a ton of them. There's a, uh, like a tie or like a novelization of the aliens franchise. Oh, okay. And um, that was one that I listened to. And I was just like, within five minutes, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to do this so bad. Oh, not cool. knowing how hard it was to write, but you know, but like being like, how cool will that be that, you know, like you just, you say this thing blows up and then you actually hear it blow up and the, and you know, the big sound effects and everything. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's definitely something Audible wants to do more of, you know, it all depends on how it's received and, and mine yeah. was received really well. So um, I don't know if it's going to revolutionize things, but hopefully it, it moves it along to the next step. I would, I'd be happy to do another one again at some point. In your fair, fair time there. Yeah. In my spare time. <laughs> well, Mark, one of the things I love about the Gray Man books is Court Gentry's humanity, his, his flaws, his uh, how often he makes decisions that work against his own best interest, um, which is mirrors my life in many ways. Um, <laughs> but still, he's an operative of unparalleled skill and has the confidence to match. Now, with Josh Duffy, you have a man who's kind of a different animal um, because of how his last mi mission ended. And maybe even before that, he was a man with no doubts and no illusions that he was Superman. Um, yeah, how did approaching the action sequences differ from writing a gray man book? Did you have to consciously remind yourself to temper Duffy's ability and remember he's not court gentry? Oh, I wonder if I did that. I, I might've done that early on in the thing. Um, I have done a lot of training with civilian military contractors and firearms schools here and there. And so I would say the action sequences more accurately reflected like the stuff that I was trained in or told to worry about or kind of the research that I've done about uh, military contracting or whatever. Um, everything obviously is amped up to 11 in a book. So the, the action sequences are very, you know, dramatic and big, but just like you said, Josh Duffy is a, you know, he's, he's a bodyguard. Uh, he's a, you know, executive protection guy, um, like a, you know, mobile protection guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's good with the firearm and he's good working within a team. And um, but he's not the gray man. He's not Jason Bourne. He's not a superhero. And so you see him limited by his abilities at times in this in this story. It's just another vulnerability that that, you know, I like to put into all my characters. But with Josh, you also get this sense that he wants to do what is right, regardless of his own best interests. But at the same time, he's he's definitely trying to, you know, he's he's trying to raise a family and uh, pay yeah. his pay his mortgage and that sort of stuff. So it's very different from the gray man in that regard. Yeah. Did it open up a lot of uh, like sort of possibilities that maybe you wouldn't find in a gray man novel, given the, the fact that he was more vulnerable? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I wanted the family dynamic in there. Um, the relationship with his wife, Nicole, is super important in the book, not mm -hmm. just you know, she's not just, you know, supporting him at home, you know, over the phone. She's literally, she's very hands-on, very ballsy, uh, you know, just badass uh, woman. And it's sort of, counter, you know, juxtaposed with, with 
Duffy, who is a little more mild mannered, um, he's he's never been a leader. He's never been a team leader. Whereas his wife was a was an army officer, and um, and I just wanted to show that interesting dynamic. So that's all stuff you can't necessarily do in a, in a gray man novel because it doesn't have wife and little kids at home. And you know I don't spend a lot of time in the gray man novels talking about him paying his utility bill or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think people would be turned off. Um, although that, yeah. that day may come. I didn't write enough of these. Yeah. That might be a plot at some point. <laughs> well, since you started Armored so long ago, really, would how much would you say had to change or did change from the beginning and when you first started to what we're seeing in the finished product? I mean, because we all know you go through editing process and you know there's yeah. maybe about a 20% change, but was it even more dramatic given the, the decade time span that you were under on, in work on this? Yeah, I, I mean, really what would happen is it would happen in fits and starts. And yeah. with the screenplay, I got really jammed up in a part about two thirds of the way through the story. And I just didn't know where to go with it. And nothing seemed to be working. And it was so incredibly frustrating. And I was there for a really, really long time. And that's where I was when it turned into an audio play. That's as far as I've gotten. Hmm. And it was also way too long to be a screenplay. I mean, Sean, you know, a yeah. screenplay. If you're on page 185 of your screenplay and you think you've told about half the story, you, you probably have mini series, mini series. Yeah, that's that's where I was. Yeah, mini series. Yeah, that, this happened so long ago that wasn't even not they, they people weren't even doing that. But um, yeah, I, I I got jammed up in this place and ultimately it was our mutual friend Josh Hood who I had him read it. And he was literally just said, all you have to do is move that setting from here to here, which is another setting in the story, mm -hmm. you know, that happens down. And then you have that action there. And then all your problems will sort of go away. And I was like, damn it, he's right. <laughs> and so that, that got me through. But I mean, this was a book that, you know, I, I never have a whole book figured out when I started, but this was something I had, you know, my characters in my head and I had a couple of action sequences and I kind of had a double cross in mind and I kind of went from there. And, um, you know, sometimes riding by the seat of your pants is the best way to do it. And sometimes it doesn't really work. And this overall took a lot longer because yeah. you know, I didn't have, I didn't have it well mapped out. So I, I definitely changed things in, in the later stages. Mm. So it sounds like it was, it wasn't a matter of, of adding skeleton, I mean, muscle and fat to the skeleton. It was almost like a start from scratch retelling but you i mean you had certain things but it was more of a start from scratch yeah it was well, just the format of mm. when i did the audio play just the format was so different that you had to totally start from scratch you know the story's there but everything has to come from dialogue or some sort of a sound cue i didn't want it, there to be a narrator saying you know now bob is going into a dark room you know it, it's just like <laughs> I, I wanted to elevate it from that and, um, and actually, eventually I did sort of give up and try and put a narrator in. And my editor at Audible, Steve Felberg, was like, yeah, that doesn't work. And I was yeah. like, all right, okay, he's right. He's keeping me honest because <laughs> I, I sort of knew <laughs> in my head that that was the easy way out. So, yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a tough thing. The, the book, um, you know, it, the book was tough to write as well. Just if, I knew the story so intimately, but the way that I wanted to expand it and flesh it out and yet keep the pace, you know, yeah. relentless pace. Um, you know, that was work all on its, on its own. I did that, uh, the whole second half of last year I worked on, on the novel. Good Lord. 
Yeah. Well, you, you, you kind of segued in with the dialogue. Um, one of the standout qualities of armor is the quality of the dialogue. Uh, th this is nothing new for you, um, but it is a fuller cast of characters in a lot of the scenes. So it stands out more when there's, you yeah. know, 10 people talking instead of three. Yeah. And you, you mentioned you've spent some time with private contractors to familiarize yourself with the way they interact, with the way they speak, how they operate. But my question, I guess, is this, this is a writer geek question. Do you ever record these conversations so you can get the vernacular and the cadence, or does it just stick in your head when you hear it? Uh, it just sticks in my head. I, I haven't really ever recorded like being in the team rooms or bunk houses or even in the training things. I mean, I think there's some video. I mean, I know I have some video of some of the classes I've taken and, you know, you can hear people talking and shouting and doing radio broadcast or whatever. But honestly, that just kind of gets pretty ingrained in your head when you do enough of that stuff, because it's, it's it was a lot of fire training. So you're, you're taking everything incredibly seriously. <laughs> there's, some, there's some pictures of me that I look at and they're so embarrassing because it's like, you know, I may look like I'm trying to look like a badass, but I know that I am scared that I'm about to get shot in the ass and, or, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, just that pucker factor of, of doing these things. But I mean, doing it enough, I mean, you kind of get the vernacular down pretty good. Um, I have friends, you know, from that industry and friends, obviously, in the training cadre. Of, of the school where I went and um, and I've certainly reached out to them or listened to how they talk as well. Mm -hmm. um, Mexican cartels play a significant role in Armored and like all your books, the detail seems kind of almost beyond just your imagination. So when you talked about you doing your research, were you deep into the research of how these cartels operate and, and, and how they're functioning or did you know, did you lean on people who are maybe, you know, tied into that uh, part of the world to maybe flesh out uh, a lot of the interactions that you that you had throughout the book? It's funny you ask that. In my entire career as a writer, every time I've reached out to somebody, no matter what field they're in, every single time, uh, it could be intelligence or it could be, you know, aircraft or it could be military or whatever, yeah. I've gotten some level of response or some level of engagement or you know answers to some of my questions yeah. definitely not all a hundred percent of the time and literally the only time in my entire career that somebody just said no interest in talking to you whatsoever was <laughs> was someone in on the u.s side in the drug war uh very involved wow. in what's going on down there in, in, in mexico and he was literally like I'm not touching you with a 10 foot pole, dude. I mean, he was nice about it. He, he actually wasn't that nice about it, but he didn't need to be. You know, he, all, all he needed to do was convey uh, that. And I'm like, I, I get it. I respect it. But it was literally the only time. And I've like, I've spoken with some people, you know, who are happy to talk about non-classified things in, in all fields. Sure. But I did do a lot of research on the cartels and I, I spent some time down there, not exactly where it takes place in the book, because that would be pretty foolhardy. Yeah. to go there <laughs> yeah. um but uh i probably got close enough without getting too close but honestly the the cartels like the main cartel in this story is fictionalized sure uh completely fictionalized but he's it's sort of based on different cartels like there's a uh one called la Fam familia michoacan yeah. which is not defunct but weak, much weaker than they were but they sort of had aspects of that definitely Sinaloa definitely it's, it's a very much an El Chapo figure that 
they're going to, um, mm. you know, going to look for. So, um, you know, I, I did the work and I did the research to understand enough about what's really happening down there to back away from that and then use my imagination after that. You didn't go climb around some tunnels or anything like that just to see what I it didn't, was like. I, I didn't go do the full Sicario thing. But, you know, <laughs> I, I will say that I, like I put, there's a female uh, anthropologist in the story named Gabby, Dr. Gabriela Flores. Yeah. And she was sort of put in there because I wanted there to be some context in the story. And it wasn't just going to be a bunch of, you know, American tough dudes going down and kicking ass in Mexico. You know, it's just like, it's a civil war. And I felt that very much when I was down there, you know, you're right in the middle of a civil war and it's, it's really perilous for the, the human, you know, the people down there. And so I wanted there to be this, you know, kind of intelligent voice throughout this whole story where these guys are just trying to get a paycheck at first and trying to survive throughout. Yeah. Um, but you have Dr. Flores there basically talking about what's going on, you know, putting it into some context. And that was kind of important to me. I didn't want this just to be, you know, a shoot 'em up and using Mexico as like a play to, place to lay waste to. I, I really like Mexico and I wanted, you know, to represent the really tough problems they have there accurately. Did you see any shift in the past decade of what you started to research from the cartels versus where it is today in terms of how they operate and kind of the landscape? Yeah, I, honestly, once I had my idea of who the different cartels were and their relationship with one another, um, I quit researching it, you know, because it's like yeah. I had it good enough. And so, you know, things change so much. And just I will mm -hmm. just see something on the news and be like, oh, wow, the Zetas aren't, you know, around Nuevo Laredo anymore. That's, that's wild. Right. Used to be. And, that stuck you know, out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the new generation, the, uh, what do you call it? The Juarez. Right. I forget what it's called. Yeah. You know, th th they, they didn't even exist when I started writing this story. And, um, oh. you know, El Chapo was on the loose when I started writing this story. But once I had this story, I wasn't going to let, you know, the current events dictate how I want to change the story. Because I just narratively, I, this was the right story to tell. Yeah. So, there, there's aspects that are very accurate and there's aspects that were very accurate seven years ago and then there's stuff that's just sort of made up out of whole cloth just because i'm trying to write an entertaining story i, I figured with all your hollywood connections now you would have just talked to sean penn since he uh, spent some time with el chapo <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've never i've never spoken to sean penn um yeah el chapo i would have loved to interview him yeah for sure yeah i'm sure <laughs> um so let's talk you mentioned nikki and nikki's a great character um they're the dynamic uh, between that couple, I mean, obviously I have <laughs> no similarities to Duffy's life, but just some of that was so authentic in the way they interact. And when you have Thank a you. sort of a supportive spouse who, who loves you, but also understands that, again, you might make decisions that aren't always in your own best interest. Yeah. So what I'm curious about, did a lot of that come from, um, from did, did you mine uh, your relationship with Allison? Because uh, it it's, seems interesting that this would come out at this time in your life as well. Yeah, um, not really. I mean, I definitely, I'm sure there's some interactions in there that would have, you know, come from from us. Mm -hmm. But I mean, initially, I got the idea from her because, you know, writing with Tom Clancy and other stuff I've done, I've been on a lot of military bases and I've met a lot of. Uh, 
women in uniform and you know you meet this 22 year old lieutenant and you think wow this you know when i was 22 years old what was i doing you know <laughs> i was waiting tables and whatever she meanwhile she's flying helicopters or or um you know uh whatever something in the navy or whatever and uh and you think god there's there's just some amazing people out there in this world and i hadn't written about females like that yeah i have female spies in my gray man series yeah. but some nicole uh, duffy nikki duffy is josh's wife but she's a, a former uh, apache helicopter pilot and she's a very much an alpha female and i wanted to represent alpha females in a positive light because <laughs> i don't think yeah, that yeah. happens a lot and i just <laughs> wanted to show she was this take charge badass and she she really loves her husband as well and um and sometimes she thinks she knows better than him and oftentimes she's right she about does. that and yeah <laughs> definitely and so i don't know i just I, I i wanted the dynamic to be something that was you know that i sold this or this has been optioned to sony pictures and i was talking to one of the producers when they were considering um optioning it and he's like i just really like uh nicole because you think you know what you're getting with her and it's totally spun on its head real early in the story. Yeah. She's, yeah. you know, she's, she is a character. She is not just the, uh, she's not just wringing her hands at home with the kids. She's, right. she's very much uh, a badass and a big part of the story. So um, mm. that was fun for me to, to put put in there. One of the things I liked about, about that relationship is like, there are times when she does know better than him and she could easily say, no, you moron do it my way. But she, yeah, she she picks her moments, you know, where she supports yeah. him and where she and again that that resonated with me completely. It sounds yeah. like our sounds like our marriages. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, brilliant. We're all picking our battles, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sean, um, my prediction is fans of this genre are going to want some more of Duff and um, Mark. It it took you a while to put this out there. Obviously, you weren't on a timeline, but you know between you know, we see, you know, how, what a fulfilling life you have with your family now and the gray man and the, and the gray man series, the movie, do you, do you find, are you going to find yourself trying to figure out if you can carve out time to add this to your workload or, you know, where is it that you have to politely decline from all the, probably the extra work that people want to throw your way? to where you can find the balance in your life that it seems like you've really got a handle on right now. Yeah, it, it, it will be some point in the future where I will not be doing two books a year. I'm, I'm, um, I'm doing a second armored. Um, Ooh, right nice. now I'm writing the 12th gray man book. The second I'm done with that, I'm going to write the, the next armored second. Do I'm done with that. I'm going to write the 13th gray man book. And the second <laughs> I'm done with that, I'm going to write the second in the red metal series. Um, so, and the second I'm done with that, I'll do the 14th grade man yeah. because I'm contracted for that one. So what is that? Five books, uh, you know, five books back to back to back. And so, um, they, things take longer for me to write than they used to. I mean, I, some of those Clancy books, I did my part in them in 90 days, you know, uh, because that's all I had. But back <laughs> then when I hadn't already written 22 books, you know, you had more sort of fresh ideas without having to slowly put things together and build yeah. and then write something and go, wait, that's too similar to something else. It doesn't mm. work. Um, so I like it takes me a lot longer to write the same amount of words as it used to. It's just part of getting older and, and 
having so much out there already that you don't want to replicate. And then also just, you know, as my career has, has gone, you know, in the right direction, there's (laughs) just a lot more media and publicity and, and other obligations and things like that. So it, I, I will be writing five books in a row over the next two and a half years and, um, you know, promoting five books and all that. So there's really not much in the way of downtime. Um, I try and carve out what I can when I can, but after that, I think I'll definitely go to one, one a year. I think I've, I've done my time in the the trenches (laughs) and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go to one a year. you know, I hope to keep writing gray man books and, I hope the armored series is successful. I mean, there's definitely going to be a second one. Um, and, you know, I hope that the film version of armored gets shot, uh, you know, obviously. Yeah, and, okay. uh, and there, there would be more, you know, more interest in that down the road, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I've got to, um, I've got to find, I got to find some time in there to do something else. <laughs> Kids aren't getting any younger, you know, it's like, no, yeah. they're not, they're not, you know, you know, we, I'm on back to back, uh, trips with the kids we just got back from hawaii and this weekend we go to florida it's just the way the summer land you know yeah. fell together in the summer the rest of the summer is just going to be bonkers crazy but uh, you know i'm i have to finish the 12th gray man book um in july which is also when this book comes out which is also when the tie-in <laughs> version of the gray man comes out which is also when the movie uh, the gray man comes out. And, um, so there's a whole bunch of other obligations all falling in, in that point when I have to, you know, crank out the last 30,000 words or something. We'd love some Mark Greeny issues on our end, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm whining about it. You know? no, 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 you're not, really not but it just, it, it just tires me out to listen to. I, I yeah. get <laughs> exhausted thinking about it. The good news. And I, Allison and I talk about this the good news is like, we've known for two years that, you know, the summer of 2022 is going to be bonkers with the, um, with the movie coming out at least. Yeah. And, uh, and I've known for a good year that armored would come out then. So it's, you know, it's, we, we've prepared ourselves to, you know, I'm not getting much in the way of sleep and probably won't until hopefully August or so, but <laughs> oh, man. that's okay. That's okay. until your 56th birthday or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 My well, 55th will be, uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So yeah, well, it's all downhill 57. I can tell you. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk, let's pivot to the gray man film. Um, cause all told it's been like 14 years in the making. I think it was option 2009. Is that right? When it was, that's exactly right yeah okay. 2009 so with several stops and starts and several different parties involved um have you seen the end cut yet i can't say i will okay. say that I, I that it that i've seen you know parts of it and and i've read the shooting script okay. and really really loved it really, mm. i'm so happy with it and so impressed and really kind of emotionally taken um by the way the actors represent some stuff that you know was was important to me when I wrote it but I, I didn't I don't remember ever discussing it with the Russo brothers mm-hmm. when we talked wow yeah you know, basically the relationship between the hero the gray man and this uh young girl who is in peril they trying to protect um I I thought it was just done so incredibly perfectly and and not over the top not cheesy or schmaltzy but you know had these incredible emotional underpinnings and and after I saw these parts of the film, 
I, you know, I was just, I just walked away from it going like, wow, that like affected me emotionally. Cause I remember writing the story and I remember trying to build that. Wow. And then I just kind of never thought about it again. It's just, that was in the story. I don't even, I haven't read the gray man in 14 <laughs> years um, and I'm good. I don't need to, um, but, but it, it was, it was just really wonderful to see. Uh, I, I knew from the beginning meeting the Russos that, you know, I was yeah. in good hands with them, but I didn't know how good a hands I was in with the actors and their performances. But it was just really, it was very impactful. Wow. As I say, we've been talking to you for a few years and it's it's like, it's been sort of that thing off in the future that you knew was coming. Yeah. Um, and then now that it's here, I was wondering how how much different it was because you were you were pretty you were pretty even keeled and pretty like, you know, I hope it's a com good commercial for the book and everything. But I was wondering if, yeah. the, emotion, if the emotion was was up now that that it's actually happening and you're actually going to see this baby hmm. yeah it it um it is and i i really didn't even expect that um you know as a writer once i'd read the script i was walking around saying well i've seen the movie because i'm a writer and i've read yeah. the script you know and, and it's right. like i can picture everything the way that you know it was written and it's fantastic and so you know i've had this sense of t total ease and calm really since uh, Joe Russo turned, gave, showed me that his first version of the script, which was probably 16, 2016 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a year and a half ago or so when they sent me the shooting script, uh, you know, I was just like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be happier with it. Um, but the, yeah, to, to actually see uh, the film is, is really, really blows me away. Wow. Well, somebody taking care of your baby, really. I mean, yeah. In the way that you would like it to be seen done. Uh, yeah. I mean, was that satisfaction even more than you imagined it would have been? It was. It was way more than I imagined, and and it was just funny because I remember sitting there with Joe and Anthony way back when, and uh, actually the first time I talked to them, I was in talks with several different groups about, um, you know, doing the film yeah. and. Uh, when I got on a call with Joe and Anthony Russo, who I barely knew, I hadn't seen Winter Soldier or anything like that. Mm. Um, I, I just immediately, just the way, just probably two minutes into a 20 minute or whatever, 30 minute conference call, I was going like, yeah, th these are the guys. And not that there was anything wrong with the other producers. There's definitely some really big names that were interested. Um, but it was just kind of like, they're, they tell me what they liked about the story and their take on who the character was. And we talked about action films and we talked about protagonists. And it was just, it was, you just felt like, you know, it, I, I tell people, especially people who are gonna be a little bit upset that some of the story is different or whatever. I'm like, it doesn't bother me at all because honestly, it's really cool that I am part of this collaboration where I yeah. wrote <laughs> the first thing yeah. and then, you know, the, the screenwriters did their thing. And then the cinematographer does their thing. Obviously the actors, you know, they, they do their thing and, and they're all artists and they're all, you know, doing the best they can. It, you know, it, if the movie was terrible, I guess I wouldn't be saying any of that stuff, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm really happy with how it turned out. And, um, so I'm, I'm really happy that I'm a small part of it or, you know, medium sized part of it, whatever I am. Yeah. Creator a little bit more than that, but yeah. Um, I got another writer geek question. Um, so when I started coaching football, even though I'd played football for my entire life, I started to learn a ton more about football and why you do certain things through coaching. 
And I was wondering, I know you've been doing a lot of workshops and you've been doing a lot of instructing like at Thriller Fest and, and things of that nature. Have you gained any like insights when you, because somebody asks you a question, you start explaining it and you're like, oh, damn, that's, that's why I do that. Or, I mean, is that, has that been an educational process for you at all? Absolutely. Now I've only done it a couple, I've only done a couple of workshops. Um, but after the first one, which I was dreading just because it's, I'm just, you know, it, it was out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> I liked it, you know, I really liked it and, uh, and I've gotten something out of it. So I did it again, just a couple weeks ago up in New York and, um, yeah, I got a ton out of it. You know, I, like it, it's really interesting to meet the people. I'm fascinated. And I, I remember just when I was doing this uh, craft test workshop a couple of weeks ago, kind of stopping everybody like right in the middle of the day and say, do you guys, there's 10 of us in the room or whatever. I said, do you guys, is everybody else picking up on the fact that everybody's story is so completely different, told so differently from each other's and they're all thrillers, but they're all, you know, they all open differently. It's just, it's just really cool to see that, you know, we're not all like, you know, cranking out a yeah. printing press and trying to do the right. same thing. It's like every, everybody's brain does something different. I think that's really cool. Um, so much of the, what I do when I do these workshops is I spend the first 30 minutes apologizing to them. And I, and I, and I really think <laughs> this is my, this is my own misplaced anxiety. I'm throwing it on other people that are probably fine. But I'm, I, I've said this at both workshops and I literally probably spend the first half hour saying, listen, if I was in your shoes and this author says, I'm going to show your 10 pages, your 3000 words to the class. And I have redlined every, I've line edited every single thing that I don't like or that I would change or, you know, comment on. If, if I was in your shoes, I'd be freaking out right now. And yeah. I would want to just not be here. But I promise you, you know, like having, having made all these mistakes myself and being told by editors and copy editors, yeah. it's the best way for you to learn and to kind of get things ingrained in your head. So we go through each person's 3000 words line by line. I, I lost my voice because I was reading just about everything. <laughs> and, um, and I would say like, oh, I think you've got an echo here. And, you know, I feel like you covered this here or this isn't necessarily where I'd start the story, but it's all good exposition that I want in the story. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have to find a way to, to weave it in. So by spending eight hours with people and saying that to them the entire time, hopefully a lot of that sticks. And I also start by saying, this is one guy's opinion. And I've, I've learned everything I've learned by doing it wrong and having somebody say, <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. Uh, or you need to do that different. So I, I, I'm doing nothing to them that isn't done to me all the time in the world. So I'm not, I'm not in any sort of a high horse or whatever, but it does help me a lot. I talking to, um, I'm going along with your answer here, but um, no, talking, talking to uh, people in Hollywood and I'm sure you know this, Sean, um, their ability to discuss uh, story is really, really good because there's so much, you know, there's, it's such a group. There's, um, you know, there's screenwriters, there's producers, there's, you know, talent or whatever. And with an author, you're just sitting there and I talk to my editor and then I, I go away for six months and type something and then I hand it in. Yeah. And so, but when I talked to screen, I have a, fr a good friend who's a screenwriter, Adam Kozad, and uh, 
the, the Russo brothers, when we've had yeah. conversations, you know, just the way that they're able to talk about story and they use all these terms as soon as they use them. I, I know exactly what they're talking about, but I, mm -hmm. I don't, I can't talk like that. I don't, I don't know those <laughs> terms, but I know, I know what they're saying right. because, because I do all this. So when you teach these classes, I mean, I, I apologize a lot. I'm like, listen, just so you know, I was not good in seventh grade English <laughs> and it, it hurts me every single day. And it's going to hurt you guys too, because when I tell you that, you know, you're, you're shifting you're shifting tenses here a little bit. I can't tell you what the tenses are, or I can't tell you what, <laughs> right. you know, know this is, are. you just sort of know that it's right and wrong. Man, that's awesome. Now, have you, do you think that your writing will change based on your interactions with, you know, script writing in Hollywood and, and all that sort of stuff? Do you see a, a time when you might actually be writing a little more in that direction subconsciously even? I mean, I think it's already happened. I, Armored, my objective um, when I was writing Armored was to sell it to Hollywood as well. Yeah. Uh, not, not that I thought it was going to get made. I mean, when I was writing this, it, there was no chance in hell for the gray man getting made until right. they basically greenlit it and started shooting. You know, I, I just didn't believe for a second it would ever happen. Yeah. I pretended like I did because it's a great promotional thing, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But it was funny. There's a, a local TV station where I, I do. Uh, I'm, they've interviewed me like at least once a year since my first book came out, and we were. I was being interviewed by them recently, and they were going like, "Wow, yeah, it's finally happening." The movie, and I and I said, you know, I I did the math, y'all. <laughs> I've been on your show 16 times talking about this movie, <laughs> and I never really <laughs> believed this. Like this is the first time we're talking about it that it's like it's real. Like the rest of the time, it's always just sort of in this theoretical thing. And then uh, uh, Mary Beth, one of the, the the anchors, was like, "Yeah, we didn't really believe it either, but we're happy that it's happening." <laughs> But, but with Armored, I, as I was writing it, I was trying to write it very much for screen. And there's even one scene in the story that is pretty over the top. Uh, I don't want to give anything away. No, don't. Um, yeah. but, but, I, but I remember as I was writing it, I was going, ah, I wouldn't even do this in a gray man book. But you know what? <laughs> I bet Hollywood will eat this shit up. And, um, <laughs> and I wouldn't say they ate it up, but uh, they, they did option it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I was definitely writing with the aim of, um, you know, this, somebody wanting to make a screenplay out of it. Mm. Well, you did that, my friend. This is, this is a lot of fun. And man, you did, and Sean brought it up earlier, you had a lot of new characters. It was fun to, I mean, because we all know the Green Man and we know his, you know, the supporting cast fairly well. Um, yeah. But reading a whole new cast of characters from you, uh, doing something a little different than you normally do was a lot of right. fun because right. you brought all the, the usual uh, stuff that we expect from you, but then with a whole new cast of characters, it really holds your attention uh, really strongly because you're like, oh, that's new. Oh, that's new. Oh, that's new. So I really loved it. Right. And, and the cartel stuff was, I mean, I was like, I, I was just picturing that's the way it is. So that was a lot of yeah. fun to read too. Yeah. So. Thanks a lot. Yeah, these were, these were fun characters to write. Um, like you said, there's a lot of people talking at one time throughout yeah. a lot of the story because there's a half a dozen guys and a, and a female in this gun truck through a big portion of the story. And, right. um, you know, it's 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 tough, as you guys know, to, you know, keep 
the reader understanding who's talking and yeah. what the you know the the emotions and dy dynamics are right but when you go back and read it after putting a little space between writing it and and reading it um it's 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 nice to see very distinct personalities and the different characters and manners of speech and all that yeah and that, and that's one of the things that really impressed me because with that I, I i know a little bit about it when you have that many characters to to make to really be able to close your eyes and hear a different voice with this character yeah, uh, yeah. And that, that's tough but man you with with this big cast you managed it and this is really a lot of fun man congratulations hey, on yeah, that thank sure. you sure all right it. well we know Armored 2 is going to be coming out. I mean, we all know the Gray Man's going to continue. Movie's coming out. Good God, dude. <laughs> Save some for the rest of us. Yeah, no, this is, this is my right. little... This is my little month in the spotlight, and then I just <laughs> and I'm fading, oh, wait, I'm yeah. fading back into no. my dungeon. <laughs> is, this, uh, is it July 5th? Am I right on that or no? What's the date on this? It comes out July 5th, yeah. July all 5th. Right. All right. All right, boys and girls, it. go out and get armored. It's awesome. Thanks again, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it. All right. Shiny boy, we had Mark Graney and armored. We weren't talking about Gray Man. Holy cow. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, this is not a short book. This is a Mark Graney style uh, uh, tome that uh, has a lot of new characters that were a lot of fun to read. And then you catch yourself saying, but it's not Court Gentry because it's not Court Gentry. It's a right. whole different cast of crew. So this was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good action. I think uh, folks are going to find this a real thrill to read while they're waiting for the next screen, man. And I think this can take on a life of its own. So I agree. I mean, we knew he could do something other than a gray man because of his Clancy stuff and because of yeah. red metal. But this is this is kind of cool because it's a wholly original story that he came up with by himself and uh, yeah. showed that he, you know, the magic's there no matter what he does. That's right. So Chris is on vacation, enjoying himself without us. How dare he? And until uh, next time, we'll see you in the crew reviews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.